Well, if you have your Bibles, your Bible apps, your Kindles, whatever you're using, if you'll go ahead and find Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be in verse number 13 tonight. And uh, we've been going through the model prayer, the prayer that when Jesus was asked by one of his disciples, Lord, can you teach us, will you teach us to pray? Uh, this is the blueprint, the framework in which was given. We also see it's uh, found uh, in Luke chapter 11 as well. But we're going to look in Matthew uh, 6.13 tonight, and we're going to close this, uh, this uh, series of uh, messages pertaining to the model of prayer. But uh, before we, uh, I just, uh, and we are very familiar, I believe it's uh, Friday when they're going to be having the uh, service for Dr. Billy Graham. And uh, uh, my uh, son called me and uh, he said, uh, do you know that you can find Billy Graham sermons on YouTube? And I said, no, Mike, I didn't realize that. <laughs> and then he, he, he says, have you ever heard of a preacher by the name of W.A. Criswell? <laughs> I said, yeah, Micah. <laughs> he says, well, I, I ran across a sermon of his. And I said, yes. And I said, he was the pastor at First Baptist Dallas for uh, close to 50 years. He says, oh, okay, and uh, not uh, too deliberate. Uh, it's been three four months ago. He had a customer and went into the house, and he uh, calls me on the phone. And he would always, he calls me when he finds somebody interesting. And um, he called the other day, and he has a Jewish family that uh, are customers. She's Orthodox, and he's Reformed Jew. And, uh, and so they go to church on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, so he was telling me about them. But he went and he started, uh, he said, Have you ever heard of a preacher by the name of R.G. Lee? I said, Michael, where have you been, son? I said, any preacher uh, worth his salt has heard of R.G. Lee. And every one of us has probably preached that sermon. And you all know the sermon, right? Payday someday. I said, and so he was in the house, and it is either a grandson or something, somewhere in the family, and he goes into this study, and he sees, and he had, they had some of his sermon notes from that, uh, and he was telling me, Did you, have you ever heard about this sermon? And I'm laughing at him, and I said, yeah. And he says, well, this family, somehow or another, is connected or I'm part of R.G. Lee. I said, can you get me into that study? <laughs> I'd love to spend some time because they said uh, quite a bit of his uh, books and whatnot like that. But, uh, you know, it, I just find it interesting uh, that uh, Micah was trying to introduce me to some up-and-coming preachers. I said, man, those guys, those guys are the ones that blaze the trail for the rest of us. And so in Matthew chapter 6 and uh, 13, and um, Dr. Billy Graham, uh, I, uh, when I was a lost man, remember when the Crusades would come on? I believe Channel 4 carried them back in the day. I was a lost man, but when Dr. Billy Graham and his crusade come, I would watch it. I would watch it. Now, I was watching it because he always had the up-and-coming uh, people, people that would recognize, you know, people like Johnny Cash and those that would sing at his crusades and whatnot like that. But that's when the Lord started dealing with me, watching those crusades of Dr. Billy Graham. Now, it took a little while, but uh, I'm grateful that uh, 
and you can say what you want to uh, about him, but I'm grateful uh, that uh, there was a man uh, that uh, would preach the gospel. His sermons, were, his sermons were very simple sermons, but God used those, and we do not know how many came to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ by listening to Dr. Billy Graham's sermons. And I was captivated by him, and I believe it's God was wooing me at that time, and uh, I'm grateful. But uh, uh, we need to uh, pray for that family. I think his service is uh, uh, Friday there in Charlotte. Now, having said all that, Jesus says, he says, uh, we've already looked at this, but he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine, and this is where we're going to look at tonight. We're closing this prayer out. Three things that we're going to see pertaining to this prayer. It's a, prayer, it's a rejoicing prayer. The first thing that we see is that we're rejoicing this prayer because of his presence. He says, for thine is the kingdom. Now, just underline that word kingdom. It's a lot to be said about the kingdom. And then he goes on and says, in the power. So we see that we can rejoice. Uh, Jesus is teaching us as we're praying, we ought to be rejoicing. Remember uh, when he started the prayer, he says, uh, you need to, uh, to give glory to God. You need to praise God. You know, even before you start asking, you need to just praise God. In your prayer time, you just need to praise God, thanking him for all that he's done for, praising him for uh, saving you, praising him uh, for his goodness towards you. And then he, uh, after we do that then we're able to ask and then we're able to rely because we have to have a, a strength we have we need to pray for ourselves that we're not led into temptation uh, we need uh, the power of God working in our lives so we can have forgiveness for those uh, that uh, need to be uh, forgiven and so uh, now as he closes it uh, he's also closing it he opens it in praise he's closing it in praise First of all, he says, I'm praising him for his presence. That's talking about the kingdom. And I'm praising him for his power because he makes mention of his power. And then he says, and the glory forever. And so he praises him. He's rejoicing in the fact of who he is. And then he closes the prayer. Amen. The first thing that we see here, he's talking about the kingdom. Jesus says when you pray that you need to be rejoicing in the fact that there is a kingdom. Now, when we talk about the kingdom, understand there are a number of kingdoms that we can refer to. First of all, we can refer to the heavenly kingdom. That's where God abodes. That's where uh, we will go when he calls us home. We will be in a place called heaven. There's the heavenly kingdom. But it also, when you look at the word kingdom, it can refer to an earthly kingdom. And, but also, uh, we can see that we can be a part of his kingdom down here. Now, notice this, the kingdom that we hear quite a bit about kingdoms. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4, we start to see uh, the, the differences between the kings. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, they talking about lost people, they have been blinded in their minds. They've been blinded in their minds. And then he goes on and says, uh, and talks about the light of the gospel. Now, what we're understanding here is that there's two different kingdoms here. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are a part of the kingdom of light. But if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you're in the kingdom of darkness. But then he goes on and it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 11, he says and talks about that he will work all things according to his will. See, when we're in the kingdom, when we're in the kingdom of light, then we understand that operating this kingdom, we have to be sure that we are operating under his will and not our will. Okay? But also, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we now see there's a new kingdom that rises. It's a kingdom of light. There's that kingdom of darkness. And now we see there's conflict between the two. And we're living in between the two while we're down here. Well, we all understand this, and we need to be reminded, at least I need to be reminded. The reason why I'm praying is, I need to pray, I need to pray for God to work in and through me because the battle that I'm caught between the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness, is not of flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle. And if I'm going to fight a spiritual battle, I have to have spiritual weapons and I have to have spiritual help. And I have to pray for that. Because it's easy for me to get distracted and it's easy for me to step over to where I'm gravitating towards darkness. Jesus here reminds us that He is the light of the world. And there is a complete contrast between these two kingdoms. And we will always have that struggle with the kingdoms. But one day, that kingdom, the conflict will cease because when we get called home, we'll be in the heavenly kingdom. And when we get into the heavenly kingdom, there's no more wrestling with the kingdom of darkness because darkness has now been destroyed. Okay? So we must pray. Jesus says you need to pray. You need to pray for his kingdom. But understand the time of the writing here. At the time of Jesus, we see that the Caesar from Rome was a very powerful individual. The Roman Empire stretched from the British Isles all the way across the Mediterranean, all onto the other side of India. It was a massive empire. It was, it was the, the Caesar who was in Rome had complete control. Whatever he said, it would, they would make it happen. He was a very powerful man. The kingdom, the Roman Empire was a very, very powerful empire. 
And so, isn't it interesting? Jesus is, uh, knows about this. He, he knows about the Caesar. Uh, there's questions asked about them. Who should we give uh, allegiance to? And uh, he says, well, what belongs to Caesar? You give to Caesar, uh, and, and, you, and you move on. Uh, we understand that uh, he understood that. But isn't it interesting when he was asked, how do we pray? He makes mention, you pray not for the kingdom that you're presently under, but you pray for the kingdom that's yet to come. We need to be praying for that. We, 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 you understand the world system is very powerful. Darkness is very powerful. And, and, and when you look, it's interesting to me how, uh, and politicians especially, I've been watching uh, the news and, you know, the Middle East is starting to heat up again. Uh, we see there's problems there on the borders of uh, Lebanon and uh, the uh, north there of Israel. We also see now uh, on the, uh, the, uh, the Golan Heights and uh, that uh, section down around Gaza, things are getting kind of heated. Matter of fact, uh, I just got some reports that uh, they're very close. He, and they, they would not be surprised that a war doesn't break out between Israel and Lebanon. Things are heating up. Why? Because there's the kingdoms that are clashing. Kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. And it's always going to be a part. And, but here's our politicians. And I know uh, some of them are well-intentioned. Uh, uh, but they're thinking they're going to get this conflict that's going on settled by getting around a table and talking it out. This is not... A conflict of flesh and blood. It's a spiritual issue. And the only way we're going to get this settled is that we use the right weapons of this war and we understand until he calls us home, this struggle will be consistent and it will not go away. But one glorious day, it will be removed and that's when we'll be in the heavenly kingdom and we don't have to worry about all this mess that's going on down here. And so uh, he says, pray. Pray for his presence. But notice he says also about his power. We need to pray for his power. Uh, as I was thinking about that, uh, I came to Job. Job chapter 42, verse uh, number 2. We all know the story of Job. Job lost everything. We all know that he was, uh, he was called a righteous man. Matter of fact, you find it interesting in that story. God's the one that went ahead and said, won't you try Job out? God said, hey, hey Satan, uh, you go ahead and try him out. You go ahead and you, you do what you can to him, but you can't kill him. Now, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around why would God allow that and why would God allow for a righteous man to lose everything, family and everything. And we know the story of Job. And Job, you can only imagine that uh, he's devastated by it. But notice in Job chapter 42, verse number 2, and I'm paraphrasing here. When somebody would come up and say, well, Job, uh, how, uh, I mean, how, how's your God now? I mean, you lost, you lost your whole family, Job. And Job in 42.2 said this. He says he can do all things. 
Hey, Job, hey, you, you, lost, you lost your livelihood. You, you lost all of your stock. You lost, you lost all of how you were making a living. You had everything. You didn't have to want for nothing. Now you've lost it. How's that thing going with your God? And he says, God can do everything. You might be going through a, a difficult time here tonight. Maybe you've come and your, your, your heart's heavy. You, maybe you have a financial burden. Maybe you uh, have health issues. Whatever the case may be, we just need to pray and say and be reminded that God is a powerful God. And my God, even though it doesn't make sense, even though it doesn't seem like He's doing anything for me, my God is a powerful God and my God can do all things. And one day I'm going to see that come to fruition but we have to pray to get encouraged I'm telling you I get depressed I, I, get, I get down and out just like you do I look around and it seems like oh we who are believers in the Lord Jesus it seems we're getting the short end of the stick here Everybody's against us. Uh, everybody else wants to be heard, but when we try to speak up, they want to shut us. I mean, we can go on and on and on, and we can come to a point in our life where we say, you know, what's the use? I'm telling you, we need to continue on, and we need to continue praying because our God is a powerful God, and one day He's going to show Himself, and He's going to look, and He's going to say, I told you I was going to take care of the situation, and He's going to take care of the situation. And so, Job realized that. But Jeremiah, Jeremiah, in chapter 32, verse number 17, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. <laughs> he, he looked around. I mean, he's looking, he's seen the sin of his people, and it, it just was distraught. I mean, he was discouraged. He, uh, he wept for his people. He saw sin abounding. But yet there, in that passage, he says... Nothing's too hard for my God. You have a family member that you've been praying for. And, and, and it seems like the more you're praying, the further away they get from God. You've been praying for a grandchild or a granddaughter and you've been praying for them. They've been going down the wrong road and you've been praying for them. And it seems like that now, even though they was walking down the path, they're running down the path. But you keep on praying. You keep on uh, crying out to God because nothing's too hard for our God. Matter of fact, they probably said that about you when you were wayward and when you were away from God and many people gave up on you, but there was somebody that kept on praying for you because they understood they were praying to a God that's a powerful God. They were praying to a God that had all power and can do anything and there nothing was too hard for their God. And they kept praying for you and because of them praying for you, you're here tonight in a service on a Wednesday night when other times you would be at the bar or other places, but somebody kept praying for you because they believe there's no one too hard, there's no one who's gone too far from God that God cannot reach out and God cannot save. So, Jeremiah says, nothing's too hard for my God. But then we see in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20, he says... Uh, he will do exceedingly abundant all that you ask. And then he talks about because of the power that's in you. 
Now, this is where it gets good. We understand that God doesn't need any of us. God didn't need us when He spoke the universe into existence. God didn't need us when He parted the Red Sea. God didn't need us when He parted the waters at the Jordan. God, uh, God didn't need us when uh, He uh, went and uh, He tore the walls of Jericho down. But we see many times over, God will use people like us who are willing to be used to do something that we never thought would take place. I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. Never, and I've alluded to this, never, ever did I believe that God could use somebody like me. I had all kinds of excuses. I had an excuse that uh, I grew up and I didn't know in the Bible. He said, well, we can work that out. I, I thought because of my education, you know, and I, you know, I wouldn't, as you, I know it's hard to believe, but I wasn't at the top of my class, okay? I'm just saying. And I use that as an excuse. When God called me to preach, I ran from that because I thought, now, Lord, I, you, you know me. I, I'm, I do, uh, my grammar is not the best in the world. Uh, I, uh, when I write, I write a, a run-on sentence that goes for paragraphs. I, I, you know, here's how I would do when I was writing my papers. I would guess where a comma would go. <laughs> I didn't know where it would go. So I thought, well, this looks like a good place, and I'll put it in there. Nine times out of the ten, I guessed wrong. <laughs> That's the reason when I get my papers, they had red all over them. It looked like they were in a slaughterhouse. You know, they used red pens for correction, and I had them all over them. And so, okay, that's my out there. God says I can work through that. I can all kinds of excuses because I thought that I had to have uh, some, uh, you know, something uh, that, uh, that I could, you know, gravitate towards. I thought I had to have this, got to have that. And here's what I found out. Yes, it's good to be having abilities and all that. I'm not discounting that. Yes, it's good to have education. I went back and I got my education. I went to Bible school. I did all that. I'm not down in that at all. What I'm saying is, he's really not interested in any of that. What he's really interested is when you surrender your life and say, God, here I am, use me. God can do something powerful through you. You look through the scriptures and you'll see that the men that God used, every one of them probably couldn't get a job today somewhere. Moses. Moses had a stoke. Didn't speak well. God said, that ain't no problem. I can work through that. You look through all the ones that God uses. They were ordinary people. And all they did was say, God... Use me. D.L. Moody. Many said that he was uneducated, and he probably was. Some said that he was, uh, he was a, a fool. But he was willing, and God used him in a miraculous way. Many came to know Jesus Christ because he was willing to be used of God. You're here tonight, and you've had all kinds of excuses why you're not serving God. But you need to understand all he's looking for is a willing vessel. 
And he fills you with his power. And you'll be able to do things that you never dreamed you would do. And it's because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. And all we have to do is allow Him to use us. And when, he, when we totally surrender and say, Lord, matter of fact, He wants those who say, I can't do this. That's the ones He's looking for because that's our problem that we've been thinking we could do it when we can't do it. When we totally surrender and say, Lord, I can't do this. And if you do not empower me, I won't be able to do it. He says, okay. Hey, that's when I'm going to go to work. And so we pray. We pray for His power. Not only His power that's been manifest, but the power that's in us, working in and through us. We need to be praying, God, would you use me? God, would you fill me up? God, would you empower me? And Lord, I'll be very quick. I'll give you all the glory. I'll give you all the praise for what you're going to do through me. I'm telling you, God can do miraculous things through those who are willing to be used of God. Then he goes on, and we see that uh, there's some things that God can't do, though. He says, okay, Brother Mike, you, you've had a long day, and you've gotten a little delirious here. My guy can do everything. Yeah, there's some things God can't do. God cannot lie. All right? God can't lie. God cannot change. Can't change. God cannot fail. God also cannot make a mistake. I don't know what people have said about you, but I dare say there's someone in this room here tonight that there were some who said, that's a mistake. Matter of fact, there are millions who have been aborted because they were not looked at a special gift from God. They were looked at as a mistake. My dear friend, God does not make mistakes. God cannot do some things that are contrary to who He is. But my God can do more exceedingly and abundant than what I've asked. And He's that same power will set up residence in me. And I can do things that I never, ever dreamed could go on. But then there's the last thing. Look how He closes out. We see he says that his glory. Now in Exodus chapter 34 verse number 14, we see that God is a jealous God. God God is not going to share his position with anyone. There's only one God, Jehovah God. And there is no other gods. So we see that, but there, notice he says, we need to pray for his glory. 
I like history, and I went back in some time, and I, I found this interesting character by the name of King Louis XIV. Oh, King Louis there was the king of France. And they say that he was the proud, they called him the proud son king. The reason why he got this name was because of his greatness. They said that when the sun would shine, it would radiate off of him. Now, he was quite the arrogant character, but he did wonderful things. He did great things. In that time, many people were just in awe by his greatness. They were referred to his greatness and they would celebrate his greatness. But he died and he was having his service at the the cathedral there, uh, Notre Dame. And it's a magnificent cathedral. And everybody that was somebody from all around the world showed up for his funeral. I mean, they were all dressed in their robes. There were kings from all around. There was princesses. I mean, it was a pomp and circumstance. I mean, it was something else. And the place was full. And everybody, most of those were very powerful people in all the world. And they came to pay their respects for this king who was one of the greatest, they said, one of the greatest kings and all the glory that was shown upon him. The priest who was going to do his service steps up and the room grew silent because of his opening words. And the words were, only God is great. My dear friend, there are those who think they're something because of their position, because of their power, There are some that don't even have to be kings or princesses. They don't have to be any royalty. But because of some strange reason, they just think that they're just a little bit better and they deserve all the praise and all the glory. And they're arrogant and and, and, and uh, they just go around and they flaunt it and they make everybody know who they are. But they need to realize one day, They're going to stand before the one who is great. And our God is not going to share his title with anyone because he's God and God alone. And so when we're praying, we are praying, we're praying for his presence, for the kingdom. We're, we're, we're praying for uh, His power, for His power to reside in us. We're, we're praying for His glory uh, because when we're praying, that's who we're praying to. We're praying to a holy God. We're praying that He's the only one that deserves all glory and all honor. But notice how He closes the prayer. He says, Amen. Some say, Amen doesn't matter how you pronounce it. Amen. Very interesting word. That word has different meanings. It depends upon the context in which you're using it. In John chapter 1 verse number 51, he uses the word verily, verily. That also can be translated amen, amen. 
In Luke uh, chapter 23, verse number 43, remember when the thief on the cross uh, cries out to the Lord and the Lord says, Verily, verily, today you will be with me in paradise. That word is amen and amen. The word means, in that context, it means truth, truth. When someone says amen, when someone's preaching or someone's teaching and you agree with that, you'll say amen, amen. What you're saying is, that's truth, that's truth. Amen. Amen. It's true. You can also, be, you can also use it with the meaning, so be it. Okay? So be it. Now notice, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And he's saying as you're praying, when you close your prayer, you, what you're doing is you look back over the prayer that you prayed and you realize if you're doing it the way Jesus mapped it out or blueprinted it for you, then you're understanding when you're praying, you're praying truth. Because you're praying to the source of the problems that can be solved in your life. You're praying to the only one who can take care of the request that you've made. You're praying to the one that deserves all glory and all honor. You're praying to the one who has all power. And so when you're praying, you close the prayer not to say, okay, I'm done with my prayer. But what you're doing is after I'm praying, I realize who I'm praying to and the words that I'm praying Praying is truth. Is that how you pray? Lord, I give you all glory. Notice how he said to start it out. Now our problem is we start out with our laundry list. Okay, Lord, here's what you need to do for me today. And then we give him the laundry list and then here we'll close it out like, oh yeah, you're, you're, you're good, Lord. I thank you for your goodness uh, i got to go on now. Jesus says, the first and foremost you do is give praise to the one you're talking to. When you make your request, you're praying it not in your will, but you're praying it in His will. You're asking for help in areas of your sin. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. And Lord, forgive me. And then you're also praying that God will give you the strength and the power to be able to forgive those who have wronged you. And then he goes and he says, you're praying for his kingdom, his heavenly kingdom, the kingdom that you're a part of now. You're praying for his power. You're praying for his glory. And when you close the prayer out, you'll say... True, true, true. See, we're not praying to an abstract figure or a cosmic something out there. We're praying to a personal God who wants to have a personal relationship with us and who wants us to talk to Him. And not only does He want us to talk to Him, He wants us to listen to Him. And when I pray, Lord, I'm praying, Your will be done. Because if His will is being done, it's going to be all right. Because whatever God decides is always right. God doesn't make mistakes. 
God cannot lie. God cannot fail. And God cannot change. Aren't you glad tonight that when you pray, you pray to a holy God, a righteous God, a just God, a loving God, a merciful God, a gracious heavenly Father that not only hears our prayers, but will answer in accordance to His will and His timetable. So tonight, as we've looked at this prayer, remember Jesus was asked, teach us to pray. He says, this is how you pray. I'm glad tonight that we don't have to fumble around. We don't have to guess. We can know how to approach Him the proper way. I thought about this. You're able to go see the president. And you're going to be able to go into the Oval Office. And they said, okay, you got five minutes with the president, Mike. Don't you think that I would really be thinking about what I need to say to him? You better believe it. I'm not just going to go in flippantly and say, hey, what's up? You know, man, it's the president of the United States. I'm going to be thinking about what I'm, I just got, I just got a little few minutes here. So I'm going to be thinking, won't you? I mean, you're going to be thinking. I'm going to process your thoughts because you don't want to go in there and look silly. You know, you go in there and you see him, you're going, nice to see you, President. You know, no, you're going to be thinking about that. Why? First of all, because he's our president. Also, because the position he holds. Wouldn't it make sense for us when we're going to go into the throne room? of a holy God that we would have some thought about how we're going to approach Him because we want to approach Him. We don't want to be offensive to Him. We want to make sure we're going in and we're going to ask Him the way we ought to be asking Him. We'll worry about if we're going to go see the president because of his visit, and I understand that, but then sometimes we don't give a second thought how we're going to approach God. Jesus said, praise Him. Praise Him. Then ask. After you ask and you've asked in His will, you praise Him some more. That's how we approach a holy God who can answer and will answer in accordance to His will and not our will.